We're looking at the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And you will notice that each of the uh, blessings, as we come to them, they, they build on each other. We go from poor in spirit to, to those who mourned and to, to the meek. And our faith starts with our poverty of spirit, our, our poor in the spirit, that, that we, we don't know the Lord, we don't know the God, our God, and that the reality is without God, there's always something missing in us. And then we mourn for that. We, we mourn that we did not know our Lord. We did not know our God. We, we mourn for the loss that we had all those years of not knowing the Lord. And we're saddened because we've missed God's mark. And then we are comforted. Those who mourn are comforted. Now those two, poor in spirit and mourning, those are what's within us. That's deep within us. We're lost. We're mourning. And then this morning, as we look at humility or meekness, that is what we portray to the world. What do we give out? What does our faith really mean? How do we display meekness, humility to this world we live in, our home, our workplace, our career, our study, whatever? Now, to wind it all back, I've mentioned here before that no one has a right to speak on humility. Just as soon as you try and speak on humility, it doesn't become humble anymore. It doesn't become humility. It's, it erodes the very fact of what you're trying to speak about. So with that, I shall try to discuss humility this morning, because we need to look at it. And you know, in our Western world, it's almost impossible to speak about humility, isn't it? Because we have everything. We're self-sufficient. The attitude is, I can do it my way. We can do it on our own. We don't need anything. We don't need anything. That's who we are in the, in the West. And, and we don't need anything else. We don't need anybody. And sadly, it doesn't take much for us to say, well, actually, we don't need God. We don't need faith. And we need to work hard to build a foundation and, and to be like the Neil Dons of this world, that he wants to be at worship on Sunday morning, to meet with his heavenly Father, to be with the community of faith. So in the West, humility is a hard word to grab hold of because I can do it my way. Perhaps the hard work of humility is staying grounded in our faith, serving our faith, being aware of others around us in the church. We saw in Ecclesiastes the other week, chapter 3, the, the author says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. We've got it all. He had it all. And then he says, well, actually, that's all meaningless anyway. It doesn't work. But you see, pride would say that the more we have, the more pleasure, the more leisure, we'll be happy. But actually... That doesn't work either, does it? So what does a, a humble church look like? What are the parameters to judge humility? You know, I got it, started attending church 40-something years ago, and I was in the South Island. We moved to, to the North Island. 
and it was all new to me, and a friend of mine was telling me, and some of you may know, of the Queen Street AOG in those days. That was a, was a really humming church, Queen Street AOG. They had over 4,000 people attending this church. Now, this was something like 40 years ago. And then over time, the pride comes in, and that church is barely much at all now. And we can all, we all know those stories. And that's the real sadness. And, and for me, I, I've kind of been in the church for a number of years, and, and I have to put my hand up and say, I think it's our pride and our arrogance in, in churches that we have hidden the true God from the world. We've got big and beautiful. I don't know that there's any other churches in New Zealand who've had 4,000 people since those days. I, I don't know, there could be. But that, God, everything. And now there's very little. This is the faith that I have, the faith that I talk about, the faith that I live, does it measure up to how God would have me live in this world today? What are we as the church, any church, showing to the world? And I think, as I said, I'm the first to admit, I think we have hidden the true God from the world through our pride and our arrogance. Obviously, the opposite to humility. In Galatians, Paul writes, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Humility is the ability to actually boast in Jesus, to be on fire, to be a powerful, to be alive in Jesus. Not a big, loud noise but the internal peacefulness that you have, that you show the world, that says, yay God, yay God. Without a lot of anything, but you have this internal peacefulness that says, I'm crucified with Christ, but I live. I live today for Christ. It's a very simple acknowledgement of faith of who we are of who our God is and God's spirit lives within us a life that is lived with the power of the spirit and all that that means and all the humility that goes with us in Psalm 115 it says not to us O Lord not to us but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. You know, we are all, we can't get away from our ego and our pride and our arrogance. We're all kind of tainted. That's who we are. You know, humility looks away from our personal pride, our personal achievements, but we are tainted with that. Jim Collins, an American author, 
He wrote a book in 2001 called Good to Great. Does anybody read it here? It's a red book. It's a, it's a um, book he wrote with his research company and he conducted a five-year study of research looking at the, um, these great companies in America. Now, you're talking big companies. You're talking billions and billions of dollars, okay? And each to, to be a part of the research group, um, the company had to come up to certain parameters, and they only found 11 companies in the whole of America that they wanted to research, that the companies that went from good to great. And one of their criteria was that over a 15-year period that the company three times had outshone the financial markets. Okay, so over 15 years, they'd gone above and beyond the trend of the markets three times. And they only found 11 companies in the whole of America that came up to that. And they looked at what made these companies great. What was, who, what, or how was the CEO so good to build these companies? Not a short time, but over a 15-year period. And this is one of the sentences in the book. One key factor of the good to great companies was that their leadership was marked by two characteristics, steely determination and humility. Here's a quote from the book. We were surprised to discover the type of leadership required to turn a good company into a great one. Compared to high-profile leaders with big personalities who make headlines and become celebrities, the good to great leaders seem to have come from Mars. Self-effacing, quiet, reserved, even shy, these leaders are a paradoxical blend of personal humility and professional, professional will. That's a secular, that's the secular world, the, the world of big business, big money, saying that humility is right up there. Humility is an attribute for these commercial successful businesses in the States today. The church does not own humility. Humility is, an, a power, is a powerful attribute, attitude for every person in society. And we need to hear more about it if we can understand it. And humility is not just found in the, the super rich or the, the poor or the down and out. Humility is right across our society. Humility does not look at, at status. It doesn't look at pride. And humility in the church, I would say, starts with a very simple prayer. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Every day, the acknowledgement, we need our Lord. We need our Savior. It doesn't matter how big or flash or glorious your church gets. I need you, Lord. I need you. I need my Savior. That without Jesus, we are lost. We simply lost. But what happens is our sin, our pride, overwhelms us. And we're searching for a way back home. But the pride and the sin overwhelms us and bites at our heels. Humility is the ability to be aware of our capability to sin. More than that. 
our continuing capacity to sin. Humility drives us away from sin. And, and today, in the West, we're surrounded by everything to take us away. Sin takes so many different looks, so many different flavors. It's so subtle. Humility takes the power away from Satan, the devil. Humility takes the, the arrows of the evil one, of Satan, and blunts the arrows. He, it, humility destroys the arrows of Satan. So you see, because Satan relies on our pride and our ego to destroy us. And if we come from a humble stance, it breaks that connection. It breaks that influence of Satan over us. Pride is what distinguishes. We all want to be something. We all want to be ego, pride. We all want to be known. We all want to be <coughs> recognized. When you look in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, <coughs> excuse me, Eve is there uh, with the Lord. And God says, don't eat the apple. Don't eat the apple. And the serpent, the devil, comes up to Eve saying, eat the apple, eat the apple, and your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. You will be God. She eats the apple. In Matthew chapter 3, the temptation of Jesus, the devil takes Jesus to the high place, and he says, if you bow down, I will give you the kingdoms. I will give you everything in the world, everything you can have. We're tainted with that, the pride and the ego. It's just who we are. We can't get away from it. What amazes me, the devil felt he could influence Jesus, God of gods. The devil had the arrogance to think that Jesus would be swayed by pride. I find that a little bit funny, that the devil felt he, he had the, the ability, the arrogance to sway Jesus. But you see how easy it is to sway us, pride and ego. If he thought he could sway the Messiah, surely he thinks every day he can sway us with our pride and our ego. We are, that's who we are. We are tainted with that. And humility blunts the arrows of Satan, if we can live and walk in that way and keep our eyes on the Lord. A humble person has a willingness to find God, to take time aside, to pray, to read our Bible, and that will <coughs> guard us from the temptations of this Western world that we, we live amongst. And it's amongst us. Every day, everywhere, that's who we are. But humility is also the ability to forgive, to forgive again and again and again, to not harbor resentment, to not have an attitude of hurt or even regret. We take that hurt, we take that pain to the cross and we leave it there. Humility is able to forgive. I've come across church people, and I'm sure you have too, who can't forgive. They've had friendships for years. Someone does something wrong, and that's the end of the friendship. They can't move on. They can't let it go. It's awfully, awfully sad. 
misunderstandings. No one's right, no one's wrong, but there's a big stalemate. Family disputes. Family disputes. I've come across them in the church where family members won't speak to each other. And <coughs> just over the hill, <coughs> excuse me, I've come across in the last couple of months young couples who are married, some with children, who are having relationship problems. It's really sad. They haven't been married long, and their children, and it's just, I've heard of three of them within a month, these young families, and, and their relationships are on the verge. They've either broken up or they're going to break up. And it's so sad that where's the healing? Where's the forgiveness? Where's the conversation? Where's the humility that I was wrong? Forgive me. Forgive me. And it's not easy when you've been hurt, when you've been hard been done by, when the trust has been broken. And it's not about being a doormat either, but it's saying, hey, we need to talk. Forgive me. My God, my Christ is larger than this issue, larger than this problem. Ah, oh, thank you very much. I've got some water down there, but I didn't want to bend down. You guys just talk amongst yourself. <coughs> That's very nice, thank you. And a humble person finds contentment above everything else. A humble person is content with their faith, with their belief. And sometimes we have to work hard at finding the contentment with our faith and drawing near to the Lord and drawing near to our God. Whether we're going through the valleys and the storms or the high places, the excitement, we can find a contentment with our faith. And I, I want to encourage every person to please, please, please spend time in prayer. Please, please, please read your Bible. Prayer and read your Bible and develop that relationship with the Lord. That, that wonderful, wonderful relationship, that personal relationship with God. And the more time you spend with God, he will be so real and so relevant in your life. I like to read Job, and I've mentioned before, the last in the first chapter of Job, in the, in the last um, verse in Job, where he's lost everything. Everything, sad, 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 awful. Family, children, buildings, livestock, everything is destroyed, everything is lost. And Job just falls on his knees in sackcloth and ashes, shaves his head and worships the Lord. That's the first thing he does. In the second chapter, the devil then comes up to God and has God on again. And, and God says, well, my man Job, he's the man. You can do what you like to him, but don't kill him. So next thing, Job is covered in boils and rashes and yuck, yuck, yuck. And, and you know, it's pretty annoying, actually. Well, poor Job. And the whole book's the conversation with Job and his friends and the ups and downs and the argument with each other and, and the argument with God and why and it's not fair and all this kind of stuff. 
And, and Job speaks really strongly, he speaks really bluntly to God. He gets it off his chest. And then God's response in chapter 38 is, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And Job replies to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. And Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. A long dialogue that tells us we can discuss, we can debate, we can argue with God. But humility brings us back, as it did to Job, to that place of repentance, that place of humility. When things are rough and tough and awful, awful, we can argue and debate with God. But in the end, that God is our Lord, and we come back with humility. I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And we restore the relationship that we had with the Lord. That's what we have to do. We need to have that relationship with our God, an ongoing relationship, a personal relationship, which also becomes a community relationship. In Philippians 2, 7, Paul writes, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance, appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is our Lord who washed his disciples' feet, who humbled himself in every way. And we ask today, what does a servant of Christ look like today? What do we portray to the world? What does a humble church look like today? Humility is the ability to be still and know God, to be still and know God. Each and every day, find a quiet time, find a quiet place. Before work, after work, during the day, driving the car, find some time. Have we lost the importance of time with the Lord, with prayer, with Bible reading? You see, prayer takes us out of ourselves. Prayer takes us in to the presence of the Lord. It takes our hurt. It takes our pain. Prayer takes our worry to the cross of Jesus. Humility is going to God in prayer, acknowledging the Lord. Humility is to be still and know God. To be on holy ground. Moses was on holy ground. God said, take off your sandals. That's holy ground. Develop your holy ground with the Lord. Say, this is my holy place. This is where I'm going to meet the Lord. My life is set apart. This is my holy place. I want to meet the Lord. 
Keep moving forward in your faith. Keep growing. Keep maturing. Keep discovering God. And I want to say to young people, go, yay, God. Discover God. Tell the old people what they should be doing. Well, actually, that may not go down too well. But every person can seek God and find God and hear from the Lord. It is communing with God. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Just read that again and again and again. Dallas Willard, American writer, he wrote a, a famous book called The Spirit of the Disciplines. He passed away a year or two ago. And he was asked, how do you understand, or what do you mean by the, the first commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind? And he said, his reply was, to make God's ways, God's purpose, higher and more important than our own. God's ways, God's purpose, higher and more important than our own. And humility is not about, you know, getting rid of stuff or getting, doing, getting rid of, unless God tells you to. But humility is purely God's ways, God's purpose for your life. Every person. What is God saying to you? I'm here today because, as I've said, someone said to me so many years ago, what is God saying to you? And I said, one day I felt, because I became a Christian in the military, I'd go back as a chaplain, started a conversation, and everything else happened. If I come up to you and say, what is God saying to you? What are you going to say? Question yourself. What is God's purpose? Why is God brought you here how can we the church show love acceptance forgiveness how can we show humility to the community around about us what is god saying to us that is how real our faith is the life that jesus has given to every one of us what is god saying to you there's always more there's always more there's always more in God. And, and I'm just so convinced that we only know this little bit of God. It's, it's wider than wider than wide. It's amazing. There's always a little bit more that God would have us move or do or be or go. Hallelujah. It's so exciting. We're not, we're not stuffed with the rubbish of this world, the, the, the West, the comfort, the materialism. That doesn't have to affect us. Humility gets us above that. Humility gets us above the pride and the ego and the arrogance. You know, I, I was in the Air Force. I was a, a cook, a chef. And then one day I got commissioned. Now I'm an officer in the Air Force, right? In the military, an officer, and I have things up here. So I have a whole bunch of people. And I, have, I can walk around the base... Most people have lower ranks, so they have to salute the Queen, my Queen's Commission, okay? So if I, if I want a bit of pride, I just walk around and these young people have to kick the sleeve. <laughs> it's real, you know, cool, cool fun. And I thought, man, 
now I'm officer, I'm going to work with these incredible, uh, bright people who are officers in the military. Half of them were nuts. Sadly, I say that quite sadly, because I generally expected to have some really neat leadership potential. Half of them were crazy people. And it was actually quite sad. The, the, the young officers, in those days we had jets, and I worked at a Hakia. The young officers, they could do really silly things. I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell him what I told you. They would go to the officers' mess bar, they would take the piano down to the bridge at Bulls, play the piano and throw it into the river. And it was like hijinks. If an airman did that, they'd be kicked out of the Air Force. And these guys got away with stuff because they were officers and half of them were crazy people. And then one day, I'm this officer person and I thought, who actually cares that you're an officer, right? So we got a base at Wigram of about 15, 1,600 people, right? And I'd be walking around with people sleeping just to get a buzz, you know. And then I said, who actually cares? Well, my wife had been in the Air Force. And she never cared what I, did, what I had, what rank I was. If I got promoted, she, she didn't care. Now, I've got a base of people. How many of those people cared of my rank? The only person who cared was the one below me who wanted my job. When I walked out of the base into the civilian city, no, none of them cared, did they? The whole of the South Island didn't care about my rank, did they? The only other person who cared was my mother. <laughs> and then I realised, you, you know what I'm saying? You can get really eager, like, oh, I'm so great, I'm so important. But actually nobody cares. Only two people, the one who wanted my job and my mother. And then you think, you discover God. God cares. God loves you. Find God. Find God in the, the secret places. Find God in the greater places. Don't find God in the ego, in the pride, in the arrogance of the West. Find God deeper and deeper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your spirit is with us. Your spirit is alive within every one of us, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would learn humility, Father. We would learn your love. We would learn your joy. We would learn your peace, O oh God. And Lord, we would learn your contentment, almighty God, that we can be content because we are sons and daughters of the Most High Lord. Father, I pray that, Lord, we would, we would look towards humility, Father God, not the pride, not the ego, not the arrogance that the world tells us to, Lord. But by looking toward uh, humility, Lord, we would destroy the arrows of Satan. Father, we thank you, Lord. Your love will overwhelm us. When we ask, we will receive from you, almighty, mighty God. Thank you, Father. Amen.